What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Same Team. I am your host, Daniel Trainer. How's it going? Thank you very much for listening. Thank you for being here. I appreciate it. Today's episode is part two of my conversation with Mike Pero. Mike is a gay professional wrestler on the blossoming independent wrestling scene. Part one of our chat came out earlier this week. If you haven't listened to that yet, I suggest you go back and do so. Uh, We talk a lot about how Mike got to where he is today, his upbringing, uh, and then in the second part of the episode, we get into the pro wrestling talk. Part two is very heavy on the wrestling stuff, and sort of like I was saying during part one, even if you're not a big wrestling fan, even if you know nothing about wrestling, I hope you still give this a shot, because Mike's story is fascinating, and it it, it really transcends wrestling. We talk a lot of specifics, there are going to be some names that maybe go over your head if you're not a big wrestling fan, Uh, but Mike's story is great, and it's a really interesting conversation. We get into why there haven't been more opportunities for gay wrestlers and gay storylines in mainstream pro wrestling. We talk about the UFC. We talk about wrestling overseas. We talk about wrestling in Japan. As you'll hear, we get into so much stuff, including wedding planning. Mike's engaged, you guys. Mike is getting married. We talk about that. And again, our conversation was so Great. I could have talked to him for another two hours. There's so much stuff we didn't even talk about. So I might have to have him back. Part two starts where part one ended. We're talking about Finn Balor. If you listen to part one, you know this already, but Finn Balor, one of the biggest names in WWE, came out in a rainbow shirt, rainbow boots, surrounded by the LGBTQ community of New Orleans, which is where WrestleMania was. So This episode starts with us continuing to talk about Finn, what that meant, and then we get into a whole bunch of different stuff. So here we go. Without any further ado, this is part two of my conversation with Mike Pero. Oh, it like made me emotional watching it. It was like, it was so incredible. Yeah, and, and and I say that's way more important than a lot of things that I could do or Sonny Kiss could do or other out wrestlers, you know, because we are already out. We are gay. Finn's not. So being an ally is very important. It's very, you know, those are things that need to start happening in all of sports. When you have teammates come and say, yeah, he's my teammate. We want to win. So th- those are those are things that are very important. Yeah, I mean, I, I think about the Finn thing, like you were saying, the young kids who were watching it. Because when I'm watching wrestling, when I'm young, you know, WWE's putting out, you know, Billy and Chuck, and we're doing whatever else. And it was there were so many things that were incredibly homophobic. And I, I like Billy and Chuck probably kept me in the closet for an extra year. Like I remember watching that and being so horrified by the fact that. These, you know, seemingly gay men were being booed by 20,000 people, and it was just horrifying. And flash forward now to Finn Balor, one of the biggest stars in the company, coming out on the biggest stage, surrounded by, uh, you know, LGBT people wearing a rainbow, wearing rainbow all over the place. It was it was insane. And so I think and I was trying to tell people, too, after that, how important that was. And I think I think straight people 
get it for the most part. Certainly smart ones do. But I was trying to really impart how big of a deal that was. I'm just trying to imagine myself watching that as a kid, watching WrestleMania at home and, and seeing Finn Balor come out doing that. There's really there's nothing you can say to really explain how important that was. You know, I, I like uh, watching it because we, we were we had wrestle we were at Evolve and yeah, all that yeah. WrestleMania. And I text him afterwards and I said, I don't think you understand what you did was it how important it was. He goes, your match was great, but that was a great match. Yeah. But I didn't care because what you did right there was so important. And, and it wasn't important for representation. It was important because you just influenced a million little kids. Yeah. And helping them say that this is okay, and because I was tearing up, and everybody in the car was like, "Because we were we were leaving WrestleMania at this time, because uh-huh. we're trying to give back, like we're trying to beat the rush, because we weren't at WrestleMania, so like we're like, Phew. like we were worried, we're like, we don't want to, we WrestleMania was long, so we had like, <laughs> yeah. we were there for ten days, you know, we had so many matches. By the time WrestleMania actually hit, we're like, oh my god, I just want to get out of New Orleans. I'm like, I just want to go home. And by that, I, I, I've been powerbombed to the floor. I <laughs> have been through tables. I've been through numerous matches. Get me My out of the was, city immediately. Yeah. And I started tearing up. And he's like, are you tearing up? Because they didn't understand. They're like, you're like, you you're tearing? that happy to be leaving? No. Are you tearing <laughs> up for Finn Balor? And I was like, and I'm like, no, I'm not teared up for Balor. I'm teared up because I never thought I would see this. Yeah. I actually never thought I would see it. I never thought they would allow him to do that. No. In a million years. No. Because, listen, they said, Stephanie went on the and said, we're going to have LGBT storylines. That was three years ago. Yeah, where are they? They're not. And no wrestling company has done that. No wrestling company has touched an LGBT storyline. Now, is there LGBT wrestlers? Yes. Is there an LGBT storyline? Not a chance in hell. It, look, it, Impact hasn't even... Impact is, you know, they could they have the perfect opportunity to do an LGBT storyline. Not even touch it. They don't even have a gay athlete. I know. I mean, wouldn't... I mean, what a great opportunity it, to do something cool yeah, and it, do something different. You know, they're, 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 I think they're too focused on, you know, let's get the X Division back and running. Let's... Let's do this, you know, and a lot of my friends belong there and I love their stories. Like I love, I think Sammy Callahan is the best heel in fucking wrestling right now. I think, I think he's uh, like, he's doing some amazing work as a bad guy. I, uh, you know, because he, he's was in this day and age to blur the line of something real or fake is very hard to do. And he was, him and Eddie Edwards were able to do it. Yeah. Over something that, you know, was a, a simple accident that turned into a great storyline. Yeah. That's great pro wrestling. But, you know, w, I, I don't really want WWE to touch an LGBT storyline because I don't think they'll do it right. I know. I get nervous about that. And then I think about what it would be. I mean, I think the most powerful thing would really just to have somebody come and be out and be proud, but not but then just have them be a badass. Like, I, I yeah. worry that they would do something just, like, very weird and strangely condescending and over the top. I think the coolest thing they could do is have some guy come out and be like, yeah, I'm gay, and I'm going to beat your ass. 
Yeah, and, and then that's, that's it. what, but that's what MLW and Evolve is doing with me. Yeah, They're no, like, for sure. Yeah, this, this, I'm openly gay, and I, I beat people up, and I'm in hardcore matches. Out, you know, so like, I, I have, I, I, I have this unique opportunity where where my promoters and the people listened to me. And it was hard. I, I'm, I'm telling you, it, it is hard. I think there, there, there's still a bit of a homophobia where straight guys do do feel, even if they won't say it out loud or anything like that, do have a problem with somebody. That they were got used to the stereotype where they felt stronger than the feminine guy. But now we're getting to the, the, the generation where, you know, uh, superhero shows are now showing strong gay characters. And, you know, you have a police chief in the flash that's gay. Mm-hmm. You know, you have a supervillain that's gay. You have, you, you uh, they made uh, uh, in the flash now, uh, uh, Captain, uh, Captain Cold is gay, which is great. Like, you know, and he's a strong masculine character for long periods of time. It was, there was no strong masculine gay characters on television and in wrestling. You know, anybody that was strong or masculine had to keep the fact that they were gay under wraps. You know, Pat Patterson is super gay. Yeah. And he played the most masculine character you can play. You know, like, but he wasn't allowed to tell people he was gay. It's crazy. And, you know, talking about the Chuck and Billy. Chuck and Billy did the same thing to me. That broke my heart. Like, that storyline. I was so excited for them to get married. I was. I was in the closet and, like, it was the first time I saw two actual guy guys like that were like, you know, being like openly gay and like they're going to get married and this is going to be awesome. And then WWE made it a joke. How foolish we were. They might get mad at me. They might not. I, I, I really don't care. Uh, I'll call people out on stuff they, that was wrong. And that was wrong because they influenced a whole generation of people. And there hasn't really been a gay storyline since. Because they they hurt people's feelings, like they're they're it was tasteless. You know, you don't do things that are, that that are just tasteless for no point. You know what was you know that was a great if they had them get married, that would have been a great storyline. They would have they would have broken TV records. It, it would have been revolutionary, but they were scared, and and I think that we're still at that point where people are scared to do the storyline because they're afraid of backlash. But like we said earlier. If you're not taking chances in wrestling, wrestling's boring. Yeah. And, you know, having a gay storyline with actual gay wrestlers isn't taking a chance. It's the right thing to do. Yeah. There is, pl- there is plenty openly gay athletes right now on the independents that are very talented that should be on a major show and aren't. Why? Why? Is there that many abundance of straight people? No. Like you, you're, we're just not getting opportunities. We have to work harder. It's, it's just the nature of the beast, you know, and and people are like, Oh wait, what do you mean? You have to work harder? No, we have to work harder. We have to show that we can hang, that we can be in there. Even though I've always, uh, we have have somehow always had to prove that we're able to hang, you know, we continuously have to do it. You know, they had Darren Young, and never did anything with him. I know. I think about that all the time. You know, and they, like he you know, sort of Jared comes out and a joke. I know it's so it's so unfortunate, and it's like 
you would think that with something like that, the positives just outweigh the negatives to such an extreme that it's and sure there would be backlash. Sure, there would be people who would say some shit, but. Man, I, I just feel like wrestling has progressed so much, and you can probably speak to this better than I can, but when I think of a typical wrestling fan now, most of the time I'm thinking of somebody who's fairly progressive. And I feel like that's changed over the course of the past however many years. I think somebody who doesn't really know what wrestling is, when they think of a, a professional wrestling fan, they probably think of some, I don't know, redneck idiot. But I think no, that- that's the, no, no, we actually had this discussion the other day, and it's funny. The, the old school wrestling fan has morphed into the UFC fan, the over masculine. Oh, that's interesting. Uh, yeah, that bro, he's gonna kill. Fuck you. Fuck this. Blah blah blah. That's the new that that that's the new UFC fan. That is their fan base. Is the old school pro wrestling fan where it was super masculine. That's UFC. Pro wrestling has now morphed to this intelligent generation of progressive wrestling. Because the Attitude Era allowed you to think differently. Prior to the Attitude Era, you had the over-masculine, very simple, very stereotypical characters. Yeah. And that forced the fan base to be very stereotypical. Right. And now all those Attitude Era fans who were watching when they were a kid are now sort of, you know, in their 30s. Yeah, because you had everything in the Attitude Era. You, you You had gay wrestlers. You had... You had you you had you had everything. You had a pimp. You had like you had like hoes. literally you, you had a guy. You had a a redneck. You had you had the Rock, who was a star. You you like you had all these things that were during the attitude. Triple H. You had mankind. You had the Undertaker. You had Kane. You had everything that was different, and it allowed the fans to think differently. Now. The, the UFC, you don't think differently. They, the, and that's what, but that's why their product is, that's, that's why they need to rely on pro wrestlers to help the company. Well, I mean, UFC, you look at what just happened with Lesnar and Cormier. I mean, the UFC is WWE now. And I'm the eight it, mil, it, well, I'm the eight billion person to say this this week. It's not a unique take, but it is interesting it, it, well, to see well, how well, that happened. No, exactly. It's like, come on. When in a million years where you're going to let somebody who just won the championship, then the other dude just walks in the cage and shoves him? It's so crazy. Like, I've been thinking so much about this this week because there are so many moving parts to that that it makes my head spin. Like, there, you know, there's a conversation with Cormier, and I assume Stipe, before the match where they say, okay, Lesnar's the next guy. If you win, you got to cut a promo. And he's probably going to come in and start some shit after the match. So the fact that, like, Cormier wins that match and then he has to flip the switch is like, okay, Lesnar's going to come into the, the octagon now. It's so crazy. It's like, like it, it just becomes an angle out of this sort of fight. Like, I just, it's funny to me thinking of and, Cormier. And I, was si- I was sitting there with people watching it, and I go, please tell me that you're, because they were always, oh, you have, because I was watching it with uh, my my college roommate's little brother who lives here in Orlando. He's not really little, but (laughs) he's older now, but uh, we were watching it and I was like, so you know how you always tell me that, you know, wrestling, it's not like UFC. I go for that to happen for Brock Lesnar to be able to go over the guardrail through security (laughs) to enter the cage, to push Comey. That means that had to be planned. 
That means people prior to this match had to have talked about this to let that happen because nobody stopped him. Well, it's Brock Lesnar. I'm like, he's still a human being and he would still be arrested. (laughs) Yeah, right. Exactly. Like it's, I, I go, I go, you don't get to, I'm like wrestling. You get to morph reality. This is the UFC where everything is real. No, Conor McGregor before Conor McGregor became Conor McGregor was a guy that wore the UFC little hoodie and outfit, sat and gave terrible promos. And then one day they were like, "Oh, this guy's winning a lot. Let's get Paul Heyman in here and help him. Like, let, let's let's do a little different things with this guy." And that then all of a sudden he cuts really good promos because he's not that great of a fighter. Yeah, I like let's let's be honest. He's lost more than he's kind of won. Yeah, well, it's almost like he lost to Nate Diaz, and it didn't really seem to really matter to anybody. You know, he sort of looked silly, and he was still just like the biggest guy in the world. Nobody really cared. Yeah, and it didn't help Nate Diaz at all. No, (laughs) right, I know. Because people wanted to see the star, and that's what Connor is able to play. He plays up that star quality, you know? And that that boxing match that he did was all fake. And he, there I was buying it for however much money I spent on that stupid thing. And I had people over and we had a party and I was an idiot and watched the whole thing. Watching like Connor, watching him fight Floyd, who's a monster. I'm like, what am I doing? But I couldn't help it. And I, you know, sat, I bought I, into I it. around a crowd of people watching it. And... Actually, at a gay bar, actually. Oh, see, and, that would have been interesting. <laughs> no, they, they bought it. Like the gay bar bought it. No, it I, that's no, that that sounds great. And um, and I was and I was watching it, and because I, I wasn't going to buy the fight, I wasn't going to watch it. So I was like, I'll go with a friend, and they had, had it on in the bar, and and I'm sitting there, and I'm like, for all of you guys that make say say stuff about my job, they're just working you. Yeah, I'm like. We, you guys now know what we do, but they're just working you. They're getting your money. That's all they're doing. This is a fake fight. Yeah. Literally a fake fight. Because if Floyd wanted to, he could kill him in 30 seconds. Right. Because Connor has a glass jaw, and every time he could Nate Diaz proved that. <laughs> like, And I'm pretty sure Floyd is a better boxer than Nate Diaz. Go, I, going I, out I, on a limb there. I'm like, he pretty much has really fast hands. I'm like... And he's just playing with them. <clears throat> that just shows you the state of where the UFC is. And that fan base is still a pro wrestling fan base. Like that old school fan base that you're able to manipulate a little bit better. Yeah. It's harder now as a pro wrestler to manipulate the fan base. Because they, they know a lot of inside information. So like where they still believe a lot of the stuff in the UFC isn't predestined. Like I'm not saying the fights are fixed. But I'm saying a lot of the things, let's be honest, there had to be, like you just said, how did Brock Lesnar get in that cage and how did he know how to cut a promo? Yeah. Well, and Cormier is a huge wrestling fan, right? So, I mean, he he loved that moment, I'm sure. Exactly. It's like, so why... Why why was this set up like this? I mean, they, they actually had to talk about it. This wasn't random. It didn't look random. And... If it was random, a lot of people should be fired in the security staff. Yeah. Uh, and if I'm Kobe, I'm suing the UFC. I was just in a fight, and I just got assaulted. Yeah, in the right. I get, of the... 
I, Brock Lesnar comes in the ring and pushes me after I've just, yeah, like, you know, the whole thing yeah. is so obviously staged, but I don't think, I don't think anybody cares. Like, I'm sure some no, people, I was like, just happy that there was con- fans. I, I was just happy there was no contract signing in the middle of the <laughs> I know. with that's, a table. That's like, probably I was next. Like, okay, that, I go, now you're just ripping us off. Now you're just, now, now you're blatantly copying. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, I was waiting for the contract signing, like, <laughs> Where it just said raw on the top of the, yeah. the, the clipboard. Yeah. Like, yeah, right. Like, I was like, okay, Brock. I was like, but I also hate when wrestling fans are like, oh, Brock, Brock is, you know, he, he only shows up once in a while. I go, I love that. Why does the champion always have to fight? It makes the belt worth more. That he, like, certain characters shouldn't have to fight for the belt every night. You know, back in the, back, back, in the early time, like with Hogan, Hogan didn't defend the belt every night. Yeah. They were the number one contender and they built it up to a pay-per-view. The Brock go, thing walks the line for me because I, I agree with what you're saying, but I think over the past little while I've become a little disenchanted with it. Like I think now that he's going to fight, I think at SummerSlam and, and inevitably lose, I assume because he has a fight to train for against Daniel Cormier. I, it, it feels a little predestined to me in a way that feels a little lame, but I do agree that having this champ who's sort of looming larger than life over the show is a really interesting thing. Like the belt loses some luster when it's, uh, you know, I don't know, AJ Styles has a match every Tuesday night. Um, it's kind of cool. The, it makes the Lesnar thing feel like an event. Yeah, and when he shows up, you tune in. Exactly, right. It, the, the ratings go through the roof because he's not on every show. Yeah, like we we have come to this like we we're, we're we're greedy like where we need to see our star every second. Like one, you have to remember Brock is not, like not a young buck anymore. Like part of my speaking, like he's not <laughs> young. Like he's 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 older. Like he can't do the road schedule. You saw what the road schedule did to the Undertaker. Yeah, you know. Age catches you fast, especially in this business. Like, I just got back from the chiropractor and the massage therapist. Why? Because I do little things to make sure my body doesn't get totally beat up where I can't perform. You know, we're the only athletes that have to perform every night. Uh Uh-huh. A UFC fighter gets six months to prepare for a fight. And then is in the octagon for maybe a minute and a half. Exactly. We have to do 30-minute matches. Uh, WWE's Monday. They get Tuesday off. Then they're back on the road Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Maybe get Sunday off and then back. Yeah. You know, and they're doing 15, 20, 30-minute matches. And especially in house shows, those matches are longer. They're not TV matches. Man. So they're longer. And they, and, they, and they do more stuff. And a lot of these guys, like Kevin Owens and, and like, with Sammy getting hurt again and uh, like people are like, Oh, why do they get hurt? I'm like, because <laughs> they've been doing this for 15 years. You, you know, you do something for like the, the, because a lot of the guys, like for me, somebody called me. He's like, you've had a, like an awesome uh, r- first two rookie years. I was like, rookie years. I'm on year nine. Uh huh. I go, you just didn't know about me because I had to fight my way to get the position I do now. I go, and I'm still fighting to get a higher position. I go, I'm on year nine. It took Kevin Owens 15 
you know, so let a lot of guys like this business is hard and people forget what it does to the body. Oh, it's crazy. You know? is... So when, so I understand Brock not working every week. Yeah. I would rather have... Brock. What he's going to have, he's going to wrestle awesome matches with a, uh, a guy that they built up. Yeah. Then, than him every night going out there and killing somebody. Yeah. I'm like, we already know Brock Lesnar is a, a killer. That is established. He has the coolest music ever. <laughs> like, yeah. he, he's one of those people where his music plays, you know somebody's going to get beat up. Mm-hmm. It's going to be interesting to see how much they mirror Ronda's run in WWE with his. You know, I wonder how often she's going to be fighting. And she has this, like, weird suspension, whatever, right now. I just wonder how, what her schedule is going to sort of be like moving forward, if they're going to sort of build her up like Brock or if she's going to be more of a regular performer. I feel they're going to build her up for, for a while, but she's done an amazing job. I, oh, she's I, been I, so great. I Like, I was way more impressed than I I have to admit I give her so much credit for what she's done her her now granted at like the matches she's been in with like have been people that have been able to lead her but now her new feud is pretty good and she's having great matches so you know that's credit to her you know but everybody I, I will say now a lot of people in wrestling, Especially with the, the like you're seeing on the main product, everybody's kind of stepping up their game because they're watching the indies. The indies have a little bit of fire going, so a lot of people are stepping up their game and being a little bit like not not mailing it in anymore. Yeah, you know, and and I think I think that's your Brock problem. I think you're thinking he's mailing it in. Well, that his because you know. It's very obvious when you see an athlete, and yes, they're physically good, but there comes a time in the sport where you it's towards the end, and you know it's towards the end, so now we know it's towards the end. Sure. And now we're like, is he mailing it in? And I don't think he's mailing it in. I just think his focus has shifted. Yeah. Well, I think he's been great. I mean, I think you look at most Brock matches over the past year, and I think they've all been entertaining unpredictable i think it's gonna be interesting to see what happens at SummerSlam. like i said which i assume will be his last match because i think he already has if not both eyes certainly at least one eye on the octagon but it, it's also it's fascinating i mean there's something interesting about that how are they going to build to that what's going to happen what is that going to look like i mean a brock match is always going to be unpredictable it might not be the best thing in the world but i'm never not intrigued by what's going to happen I, I always tune in. I'm a huge Lesnar fan. Um, I loved, uh, I thought his WrestleMania match with Goldberg uh, in Orlando was amazing. I thought it was exactly what it needed to be. And it was yeah. so good. Yeah, that Goldberg was thing like, was nuts. Yeah. And I'm like, I, 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 I was there. I was like, this is impressive. And it was, it was exactly the length it needed to be. Yeah. I, I actually left during the Roman Reigns Undertaker match. Oh, really? You know? Yeah, well, we had we had a we had a event that we had to be to, and the the WrestleMania was going really long. Like, yeah, I mean those shows like, are uh, marathons, and we had we had a we had a, a obligation for Evolve to be at an after party, so we had to. Uh, gotcha. We were we were already late, so we're like, <laughs> yeah, we're like, uh, we kind of because they were paying us to be there, and I'm Yo, like, you okay, gotta, you got to get there. I'm like. 
they're paying me, so I definitely need to go. Yeah. Um, well, it turns out but, you didn't miss Undertaker's last match after all. So. Yeah, so you see, uh, the, you know, um, and you know, I, I always thought, I, I, I always thought, you know, they like talking about wrestling. I, I would have loved to see not Brock beat the Undertaker. I would have saw. I would have loved to see Bray Wyatt have beat the Undertaker. Oh, huh, okay. Uh, because I don't think Brock needed it. Well, right. Yeah. I mean, you know, I mean, I, I just don't think he needed that. I feel I, because Brock Lesnar is one of those people that transcends pro wrestling. And there's not many people that transcend pro wrestling, but Brock is one of those people. Ronda, Ronda is, even though she came from the UFC, she transcends, um, you know, the undertaker of course is a cultural pop culture icon, you know, Daniel Bryan kind of transcends, but it's kind yep. of died off with his injury and stuff. But yep. during that time, he was influencing all sports arenas, everybody chanting yes from every sport there was. There was college yep. arenas chanting yes. Uh, you know, there's certain people that just transcend the sport, and I think Brock does. So I don't think that they needed – he didn't need that, that, that win. It was good. It, it got a great reaction. But I just don't think that he needed that. I think Bray would have been amazing. I think you could have passed the torch of the the Undertaker to another character similar story ish. Yeah. You know. And I, I, I personally just as because I hate when wrestlers say, I'm not a fan. I'm like, then why are you doing this? You need to be a fan <laughs> of your business. Yeah. It's like saying it's like saying Tom Brady isn't a fan of football. No, he's obsessed with football. To be a great to be a star athlete, you have to be obsessed with your craft. You do, because it, it's consuming. That's the only way you're going to get better. If you're not obsessed, then you're. Then why are you doing it? You yeah. know, like what? What? Why? Like, you know, there's a lot of guys on the independent side. Like, every day I work out. Why do I work out? One, I I do CrossFit. That's to make sure my cardio in the ring is up to par. Then I go and I do an hour and a half of the elliptical so I can, you know, help me with my weight. I do, I diet and I also do my gym workout and then I roll around the ring. You're really Why making me feel like things? a piece of shit. But I do these things because it's my sport yeah, and, no. and I want to stay par to the younger guys coming up. But I don't, when, when guys don't take pride in, in their craft, I'm like, guys, do you want to do this or do you not want to do this? Yeah. Is WWE like, still the goal for you and for most guys? I don't know if it's a goal for every person because pe people like Joey Ryan, the Young Bucks, Kenny Omega, Cody Rhodes yeah. uh, have shown people that you're able to create a brand and survive outside the, the uh, WWE. It's possible. Prior to those guys... The, everybody, I think, was like, "This is our goal. This is the 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 peak." Yeah, you know. Now it's not like that because of how like Cody's just sold out an arena. You know, mm -hmm. like like him 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 by himself. You know, promoting a show by himself sold out a ten thousand seat arena. You know that that that's showing people, especially young wrestlers, that WWE doesn't have to be your end game or end all to be all now for me i want to be in wwe mm -hmm. i i uh, i started this journey and like i say 
especially everything that in the past couple of years that I've been through, you know, between coming out, you know, trying to represent the community in a positive light, you know, being a different kind of character, not stereotypical. You know, I think my my moment, I've talked about this before, like everybody has their like wrestle wants their WrestleMania moment. Mine isn't a match. Mine is the minute before I walk through the curtain. Yeah, that, that's that's my moment where I can just listen and know that everything that I did to that point helped me get here, that it was worth it, that all the struggles I went to sleeping in my car with my dog, you know, like because I wanted to go to wrestling school, you know, moving, having no friends coming out, almost killing myself, you know, because I didn't want to be gay, you know, meeting meeting the love of my life getting getting married you know all all this all the support that i've had it was worth it you know that that is my moment that is my wrestlemania moment i don't care about the big entrance i don't care about dave Meltzer telling me that i had a five-star match <laughs> dave is never gonna tell me that i had a five-star match hey He's usually gonna, you don't know dave that is, no i dave is probably most likely gonna ask if i died on that move <laughs> he was there at WrestleMania weekend when I when the table moved and went straight to the concrete floor. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. That was the first time I've ever met him. Oh, really? <laughs> he was just behind me in the stands asking me if I was that asking if was you like, were dead. Yeah, oh, that's <laughs> so, nice. So Mel- Meltzer is uh, uh, he'll never tell me that I have a five star match, and and I also know that. Like, wait, why? Why do? You, what do you mean by that? At, like I said, everybody's different. Every, every, you know, Ricochet is going to have a five-star match because he's, because that's who he is. Uh-huh. I am going to entertain you. That's what I'm going to do. I, I want to tell you a great story. My goal is to be, tell the greatest story in wrestling history. That's what I want to do. I don't care if the match is five-star. I want you to remember my feud. I want you to remember my story. I want you to remember, go back. Some of the greatest things in pro wrestling aren't matches. They're the moments right. that you remember. Remember the feelings. Stone, Stone Cold in the beer truck. Yeah. Shawn Michaels versus Ric Flair when he said, I'm sorry, I love you. Oh. Before That right there, that is a story. The match itself wasn't that great. But that moment right there made WrestleMania history. That made me be like, wow, this is wrestling. This is why these guys are so good. Because I didn't care that they were wrestlers. I, I didn't care at all. I felt their emotion. And that is what I want to do. I don't care about the five-star match. I care about being able to tell a story that... that that 10, 15, 20-year-old person sitting in that audience will remember for their whole life. So I get upset when people are like, oh my God, that's a five-star match. And then I ask them about the match and they can't tell me any anything that happened in the match. Yeah. And I was like, no, you didn't watch a five-star match. You watched a great moment. Mm-hmm. And that 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 is what they were doing. They weren't going out there to give you a five-star match. They were going out there to give you a moment. That's what makes the match. And, and and so that's why when I said when you were like oh you're not gonna have a five star match I'm like no a five star match you, you know if you plan it right like it, perfect example WrestleMania uh, 
there there was two the five star match on that card. Uh, well, I think it's WrestleMania three, uh, where Andre slams Hogan, right? Three. Yeah, sure. Uh, everybody remembers Andre slamming Hogan, right? Yep. The match itself isn't a five star match. The Macho Man Steamboat, though, that sure. is a five star match. They tore it down. But do, what do you remember? Yeah, you remember those images from Hogan Andre because they're just so iconic. Exactly, because that is pro wrestling. Do you? Uh, we'll, 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 let me shift for a second. Do you remember what happened during the Comier fight? <laughs> uh, I, I certainly remember what happened in the Octagon after. Exactly. Because that was a moment. Yeah. Sports are sports and in general are based on moments. So that's why I say I'd rather go out there and give people a moment than give people give people, you know, the 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 five star match. There's gonna be plenty of people on that every card I'm on. I I I'm I'm so blessed to be have the opportunity to be in the ring with some of the most intriguing athletic, talented people. You know, I'm on shows where I am, there is no way I can, like last night, there was the tag match was Rich Swan and ACH versus Ray and Penta. Uh-huh. There is no way in hell I could ever do anything they did. <laughs> right, there, right. No way. Like, I, even if I was, uh, there's no way. That, uh, and, but, you know, we all get different reactions for different reasons because wrestling is like a circus. So like, that's why I say when you, you know, you have the five-star matches, no, I'm not the guy on the card that's going to give you five-star matches. I'm going to, I'm going to give you something like, Oh wow. He just killed that guy. That guy's definitely dead. You want to see a dead body? It's right <laughs> over there. You know, that's me. That's, uh, that's understanding who I am. I'm going to maul somebody to death. Yeah. And you that's know? what makes you great. Yeah. There, I'm not going to the top rope with the 450 splash through the table on the outside, set on fire. That's just not me. I because I'll be the guy probably laying on the table because there's no way I'm doing the 450 splash. <laughs> yeah, you know, it, it's just those things. It's like it took me a year to learn how to do a moonsault, you know, and I have I've yet to use it yet. I was just gonna ask, have you haven't pulled it out yet? You know how hard it is to convince people to let, uh, <laughs> let you land a 300-pound body on them? I don't, but I can only imagine. <laughs> you know, there's not many. Remember how I said there's not many big people in professional wrestling? Yeah. There's not many big people. So me landing on a guy that's 170 pounds from the top rope, there's a good possibility that something can go wrong. Yeah, Meltzer might see a dead body for real. Yeah, well, uh, WrestleMania weekend, I was pretty dead. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but, well, but I, I know, I've it, seen it. But what was funny was, like, uh, I there was still more that I had to do, a.k.a. being a pro wrestler. It's like, you, you just keep going. Oh, my God. And, which is funny is I actually thought I went through the table. You did, really? Yeah, if you watch the tape, I'm yelling at Odinson because I thought Odinson wasn't selling. Oh, wow. <laughs> and, and I'm yelling at him to go back, and like, and he's like, and I thought, he, then I look around and there's no table. And I was like, I thought, I thought him and Drennan moved the table out from under me. And I was like, and I didn't know what they were doing. And I'm trying to sell, and they're all like, Oh my god, what a like, moment trying to piece this all together just on the fly. Yeah, they're and they're 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 asking me if I'm all right, and I'm like, 
I went through a table. I'm fine. I'm okay. What are you talking about? They're like, and then Otis goes, shut up, you dumb fuck. You didn't go through the table. And I'm like, wait, what? They're like, he's like, no, you just took out the concrete floor. Oh, my he's God. Like, he's like, are you, can you go? And I was like, yeah, I can go. Because we had, we had a crazy spot right after, a crazy two spot. Yeah. By the way, those tables were made by from the Ark of the Covenant or something because ah. they were indestructible. Because all the tables, Janela jumped from the top of a, a ladder and his table didn't break. Like it was just Cody Rhodes' table didn't break. Whoever had, whoever WrestleMania weekend was getting tables really need to talk to somebody. I was going to say, should there be some sort of standard for what it, what tables are being used in these things? Well, it's hard to get tables these days because people don't make wooden tables. There's a table money. shortage. Yeah, they, they plastic tables. So to get tables, there's not a lot of people that make the wooden tables anymore. That's really you interesting. Know? Yeah, like so, it's really hard to like get like good tables. So what people do is like when there's like uh, bingo halls go out of business and stuff like that, people try to scoop up all the tables. Wow. Yeah. You know, so and then they sell them to people that use them. <laughs> but there's like it. Yeah. So what happened was the uh, the guy that is in charge of getting the tables went to like a bingo hall and that was going out of business and got all these tables, but they were like sturdy tables, like oh my like, god, like like really like I don't know where this wood was from, but the the, the wood was crazy, like because uh, the next the, the the we had another table spot in that match and uh, I was under the table with the chairs on me. Odinson was on the table, and Anthony Henry jumped from the top rope with a double stomp, full weight, and the table cracked on my face. Oh, God. Yeah, it didn't crack in the middle, cracked on my face. Oh, and no. I, and I was like, sweet. <laughs> it was funny. It was like, I felt fine when I got back because my adrenaline, and we, we, we had time to go to Bourbon Street. And <laughs> Oh, no. I'm walking with, it's me and Odinson and my, uh, my fiance and we're walking down bourbon street and all of a sudden I can't walk. Oh and I'm my like, God. I'm like, okay, okay. There's something wrong. My back is stiff. I can't move. It hurts. It hurts. We need to sit down. <laughs> and, uh, so I ended up, I ended up sitting, uh, sitting down and I was like, thank God the next day we weren't, we weren't in a uh, style battle or anything. Uh -huh. And the, and the progress match that I was supposed to be in, everybody actually got hurt. So, oh really? Uh, so it worked out for me. I was like, sweet. <laughs> there you, you know? go. Well, like Darby Allen had died the day before in my match, um, but Darby comes back every time. He like he's indestructible. Yeah. Uh, and uh, a couple other people at another show had got gotten injured, so they decided to to cut the match. And I was like, great. That is a great idea. <laughs> I, I'll I, take it. I can't move. I'm all for because I woke up in the morning and I literally look at everybody and I was like, because I was supposed to do the second progress show and I was like, yeah, yeah, I can't move. There, wow. I, like because my back was just so stiff. So that that's why I've been working on my back since WrestleMania weekend is like because it's uh, that concrete floor is it takes a lot out of you. Uh, takes, concrete floor is a concrete floor. Yeah, so like I try to tell people when they're like, "Oh, wrestling's fake." I'm like, "Yeah, that's great that you think that." I know it's so crazy. It's just like it takes somebody seeing it, I think, up close in person once to realize, "Oh, these guys are insane." Oh, like funny, funny story. So we're the first MLW tapings. There's a, a hardcore match, 
and it's uh, Shane Strickland, um, uh, John John Morrison versus Mm -hmm. Darby Allen and Jimmy Havoc. And now Morgan knows every everybody from you know he's at the show. That's my fiance. He knows everybody from you know being around me and being you know my friends and stuff. And he's watching this hardcore match, and he's just like Darby jumps off with a duct tape chair to his back off the balcony onto everybody. Jimmy's stapling Shane in the head <laughs> with the thing. Uh, there's barbed wire. Jimmy gets slammed into the barbed wire table. Uh, Morrison does a flip through the table, like, and Morgan just looks at me and goes, "Oh my god." And then he buys me health care for Christmas. <laughs> and I go, what is this for? He goes, I know you're not smart enough to say no. Yeah. I was like, wait, what? I was like, smart enough to say no for what? He goes, he goes, if all your friends are doing it, I know that there's go- that if they pitch an idea like that, you're going to somehow be like, oh, it's a great idea. See, it's good <laughs> you have him in your life. You got to have the yin and the yang. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He thinks we're all crazy. So like, he, he, he's just like. Yeah, he he stopped asking what my matches are going to be, or if I have an idea of what I'm going to do, because he was just like, I can't. I, I was I, gonna I was gonna say, does he watch or does he just get too nervous? Um, he he doesn't like wrestling. He he will watch my matches, or somebody that like like we're really uh, Martin Stone is like one of Martin Stone and his wife are one of our best friends. Uh-huh. So he'll watch Martin's matches. But besides that, he really doesn't watch wrestling, and and when we do stupid stuff, he's just like just shakes his head and walks away. <laughs> like he's like, because I used to play a comedy character when I first met him, so everything I did was kind of safe, funny. It was like Gaga wrestling. It was like, uh, you know, yeah, the, more more show than anything else. Very palatable. Yeah, and he's like, well, why can't you go back to doing that? That was fun. The kids loved you. <laughs> I was like, yeah, but that wasn't getting me anywhere in my career. I, yeah, I loved it. He's like, yeah, now that you and Odinson are badasses, like, I'm like, well, we are badasses. He's like, that's great. That's great being real life badasses. But real life, real life doesn't take the staples out of your back. Or, the, <laughs> or, uh, so the one funny story: the day I asked him to marry me, the, the before we left to go to Fort Lauderdale for, for that day. I was asking him to take the super glue out of the cut of my back. <laughs> That's how before. you know it's love. <laughs> because I had I put some alcohol and bandaged up the cuts that I had in my back. Oh my god! I had the, the night before, and he was like, "This is not normal. This is <laughs> not a normal thing that people do." Like, I'm like, "Why is it bad?" He goes, "No, it's not bad. It's just the fact that I'm actually doing this." Yeah. <laughs> it's like, to, he's like. I was like, uh, I'm sorry. I'm like, <laughs> the day ended well. I, like, like, yeah, like, I was, was going to say, that. it's like, nice that it's nice that he still went through with it and everything uh, Everything still went down. Yeah, yeah. No, he, he enjoyed it because, well, it was funny. He had no idea because I on our third date ever, I had told him that um, if we made it to when he was 25 years old, I would ask him to marry me. Okay. I never thought we'd make it that far. Um, and it was the last day of his 25th birthday. So he thought I forgot. He was about to turn 26. Uh, oh, on, on okay. Dinner. I see. 
So I wait, I waited till sun, we were on my buddy's boat and then I waited till sunset on the be- a little beach that we found and I asked her to marry me. Uh, so <laughs> Joe, Joey Ryan's like, that was the greatest written pro wrestling thing a pro wrestler would have done. I was like, thanks, Joey. I was going to uh, say, I mean, what a storyline. Uh, he's like, uh, he, he asked who wrote it for me. I'm like, no, I came up with that myself. I was like, he's like, it's, it was very romantic. Uh, uh, that's beautiful. But it's better than yeah, the Billy he, and Chuck uh, proposal. Yeah, yeah. Like, uh, well, who knows? Wrestling weddings, you know how they always Yeah, happen. well, hey, I can't wait to see what's going to happen at yours. <laughs> exactly. Like, when is it? But um, we're planning on the winter this year. Okay. Um, he gradu- He graduates college in in, in, in the winter, so we, we're planning like. Plus, you know, winter's nicer here, and people can come. And it, we live we live in Orlando, so Disney and yeah, there you all go. that kind of stuff. Um, it's a little difficult. We're like you know, it's not like we've been married before, and uh, we're both gay men, so we don't exactly know what the wedding, how the wedding works. Like, yeah. uh, like we've been to tons of straight weddings, like, but that's like, um, we're not, of course not doing it that way and can't get married in church. So there's so uh, much freedom in that though. You can just do whatever you want. Yeah, there, There's freedom, but there's also the, at least you knew the structure before. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> like, like what's supposed to happen. So is like, so do you have like, Cause uh, like my, like of course I'm gonna have groomsmen and then it's like his friends are different like so there's gonna be girls and guys on his uh-huh. side and like uh, is he gonna walk down the aisle uh, or are we just gonna kind of just show up or right. <laughs> like like do I have entrance music <laughs> that's what he did. <laughs> uh, like, yeah I hope so uh, 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 you know and I was like I think just mostly my friends just care about the open bar. Oh, uh, listen, if you have an open bar, everyone's going to have a great time and none of this will matter. That's what I said. I was like, I was like, well, why don't we just, well, cause we joke. Cause the first time he ever met my family, uh, was my sister's wedding Oh and, wow. uh, on new year's Eve Whoa. in New York. And he met literally the whole, like literally my family, my extended family, like everybody like wow. at once go big or go home. Well, my family's big on he's either going to sink or swim mm-hmm. or whatever. Like, my family threw him right in. Like, that was his test. Like, if he could deal with us, then he was good. And he did. Like, it, it, I feel bad for him because, <laughs> like, he got there and then we had we had to go do all the wedding stuff. My mom gave him to my aunt. It was like, you know, you're going to be with her for a while while we're doing this. And that he doesn't know who my aunt is. He doesn't know who my parents are. He's not, the only person he knows is with me and I'm not there because I'm one of the groomsmen and I have to be over at a different place. And so he's in a stranger's car in, in, a, in a strange state. Uh, and then my, then we get the wedding. Now, granted, we have, my parents paid for professional photographers and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. My mom gives him a camera and goes, make sure you get up and close some good pictures. <laughs> And, and I'm like, and I didn't even know this. And I look over and Morgan's taking pictures. And I'm like, where did he get a camera? Who's he? What? what? And, my, and my little brother goes, oh, mom got to him. Putting him to work. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, oh, put him to work. And then, so, and then at the wedding, everybody was, because I had asked my sister, I said, you know, I would rather tell people myself. Uh, you know, my family knew, but I didn't tell extended family, friends, and everybody that was going to be at our wedding. They just didn't know. I'm like, I'd rather tell them in person 
of course, my sister didn't do that. I feel like she sent it out in the invitation because <laughs> all during the reception, people were coming up like, oh, hi, how are you? Where is Morgan? Can I talk to Morgan? Oh, man. So, like, literally, he, that was his first experience with my family. But it was also his first experience with church. Oh, really? So, yeah, he, he, he's not Catholic. And uh, it was his first Catholic wedding. And He's just uh, checking like, off a bunch of boxes in one day. Yeah. And I was like, and I was warning him before the thing. And I was like, hey, Morgan, um, I don't know if you've ever been to a Catholic mass. It's about 45 minutes. A Catholic wedding on New Year's Eve is longer. It's about an hour and a half. Yeah. He's like, wait, what? I go, there's songs, there's, there's like, and then, then the priest was like crazy and he was like, it sounded like he was talking them out of getting married. Oh, it was good. Like the it was the craziest thing. And I was like, wow, if he doesn't leave me after this, I don't know. So I, I asked him, I'm like, so do you want a, a hour and 40 minutes there? He goes, no, we're doing 20 minutes. We got, we got, we got a good 20 minutes. And then I was like, cool. So we can have like a five hour open bar. He's like, with your friends, let's yeah, right. That's safe. <laughs> he, he's like, nothing like a bunch of pro wrestlers and ex football players in one room. Oh, that man. should go well. This sounds like so, a great time. You know, that's what I said. I said, this sounds like a blasty blast. And he was like, yeah, real blasty blast with my friends, antisocial and super intelligent nerdy guys oh that's gonna be fascinating to see how those two groups of people interact oh it's gonna be great well my friends are all over the top so like they're pro wrestlers they're all over the top and they're like they're all dramatic and it's it's literally like don't have to worry about gay like that i always joke i'm like i'm a pro wrestler i was ready for the gay world sometimes i'm like (laughs) with all the attitudes and and, and the drama i'm like I'm like, uh, help me prepare for the gay world half the time. Oh my God, but, man, you're ready to like, go. Like, yeah, well, exactly. Like, how how many like, uh, especially backstage when people are like get mad at each other. I'm like, why are they mad at each other? Oh, well, this person, this. I'm like, really? This is a real thing? Yeah. Okay. So it's just it it it's funny. It's like, you know, how much everything has changed through the nine years of my starting pro wrestling yeah i mean when you look back over the past couple years and and sort of your career since you've come out what have the highlights been and and what has it what has it taught you about the wrestling world uh well what it's taught me was give people a chance um you know when i first started my biggest fear was coming out and how i would be treated and um people would hate me you know And I learned that they were supportive. They were, hell, I married Martin and his wife, (laughs) you know, Mm -hmm. you know, I I was open then and, um, they've been by my side. And I think a lot of times we make villains where there's no villains because we want, we want there to be, or we're trying to make a villain. And some, and there isn't, you know, what I've definitely learned is all the misconceptions I had about the gay world and about being gay, they have. So if if they just have questions. So my rule is, I always say, you can ask me anything. I, I will, I, what, you know, which sometimes isn't the greatest thing to say to pro wrestlers. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Or just uh, straight men in general. It's just straight men. Yes. Because they will, they especially drinking will ask you the craziest questions ever. Yeah. Uh, 
in the most inappropriate time. It won't be like where you guys are like in a separate room and there's nobody there. They will be at a bar in front of people and they will be loud. <laughs> and <laughs> so you have to get prepared for those situations. But honestly, um, I think uh, that those are the things that I've definitely learned in the nine years. Now, I've also wrestling in the nine years has evolved from what it was, you know, when I, when I, when I first started to now, it's a total different place. When I first started wrestling was kind of locked up at the top, the top guys had it. So it was very hard to get on shows and very hard to get opportunities because they had locked it up. They had, it, 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 it wasn't a bad thing. It was just these guys and their friends had the Indies on lock. Right. Then, then the wave of WWE hires and all that. And then some people retired. Now the new breed of people that were, that were their protégés are more susceptible to putting more people over. So the people at the top now, like your, your Sammy Callahan's, your Shane Strickland's uh, guys around the nation that are at, at, at the top are now giving other guys way more opportunities than there was nine years ago. Right. Because they're, they're, they're not taking the top spot. They don't mind being the mid card or opening the show. They're giving young guys chances to succeed. So that's, what's really helping the independence is giving uh, guys that you've ever never heard of opportunities to shine. Whereas before there was the mentality of like, we need to lock up these top spots so we don't, we don't lose money. Right. You know, now, now we're not losing money. Like just because what the top guys in the middle of the card doesn't mean the people aren't staying for the end, end of the card. You know, it, it doesn't matter. It used to matter where you were in a card. Now it doesn't matter because the cards are different. Like each match, like, you know, you can have in the opening match, Matt Riddle versus Jeff Cobb, you yeah, know, right. like, to open the show, you know, and and people used to have this strategy like, oh, my God, well, a show's supposed to build. I'm like, shows do build because you guys were running under the thing that these guys were better than everybody else. Well, what if you run on the mentality as like these guys open the show? Now, you need to bust your ass to make sure you're better than those guys. Yeah, because now you, th those sort of opportunities are pushing people to have awesome matches and tell good stories rather than. Oh, so the first match is these people. This is your popcorn match. This uh -huh. is how you build a card. Now it's like, no, we want to see what you can do. Like, a, like an actual team. You know what I mean? No, other, like I said, no wrestling it had its weird little nuances that have now have been freed, and that's why the success is happening right now. Is because all these little chains that over the years have been put on pro wrestling with all like. Don't talk about this. Don't work together. Don't do this. Don't do that. They have to do this. They're gone now because the people in charge are different. They're pro progressive. They're like, let's try this. Oh, okay. Well, if these two are starting the show, guess we're going to have to bust our ass. You know, yeah. like, let's, let's plan the show like a circus. You know, let's give somebody everything to happen. You know what I mean? Like, if you have a, a teardown match in the beginning, let, let's say the second match of the night is Penta versus Ray. Okay. That's going to be a hell of a match. Okay. And then two, two seconds, uh, two a match later, you have Joey Ryan versus somebody. Either way, you're going to have a great time during that match. Sure. 
So you don't have to be the same style of guy. What I mean by like, oh, so if there's a guy that does a lot of flips, doesn't mean you have flips. Do what you do best. Yeah. And that's what I'm saying is like we're we're now at the era where we have guys doing what they do best rather than what what the other guy does best. Because once again, if you're never chase somebody else's dream because they have already lived it. Yeah. You know, so when you're chasing somebody else, when you're, when you're comparing yourself to somebody else, why are you doing that? Compare yourself to yourself, be the best you, when you be the best you, that that's something that I've learned over the nine years is having the confidence to be myself. That's a wonderful thing. And having the confidence to be myself I don't compare myself to other guys anymore. I don't need to because I am my unique brand. Example, you know, who's done an amazing job of branding themselves? Who? Joey Janela. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. He's created a brand for himself. Is his style of wrestling? uh, Is it like flippy? No, it's not. He has a unique brand of wrestling to himself. Joey Ryan is a brand. Yeah. He has a unique brand to himself. Matt Riddle is a brand. You know, once you, uh, Jeff Cobb is a brand. Yeah. Like, that's what makes these guys stars is because they're they're brands. They're not doing stuff that other people are doing. But once you start copying other people's movesets or doing something somebody else did, you're doing them. You're playing them. Right. Like, they're, they're like, the cool thing about the independence now is that like we're going through an era where people are creating brands for themselves. They're doing their own unique move sets. They're doing their, they're allowed to think they're, they're thinking outside the box. What's going to make me stand out a little bit differently. Now I'm going to say this wrestlers need to stop doing things just for the gift. A lot of the young guys are making the mistake of doing the gift. Like, Oh, I'm just going to have this awesome gift. That's going to get a million views. Huh? Yeah. 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 That's, but a gift is a preview to your match. So when I go watch your match and it's absolutely God awful, why am I going to invest in you? That's why I watch the preview to the movie. The preview to the movie shows you all the cool scenes. It's so easy to digest a few moments from a match via just a a few second clip on Twitter. And it's like, wow, that match looks amazing. But then you realize that, you know, the 17 other minutes maybe weren't so much. Exactly. And, And, my, my problem is, is like, you know, when you start doing that, you, you, you breathe. That's my one worry about the independence right now. Guys trying to get that quick fame rather than putting in the, the effort to having great psychology. Yeah, because at the end of the day, you can have these spots and you can have these amazing flips. But but who are you as a character? I mean, the flips are only going to get you so far. Right. I mean, you you need your flips you need some sense. foundation. Right, your flips well, have to make sense. I was sense. talking with Rich Swan the other day about this. Your flips have to make sense. And that's what he said. He goes, uh, Rich is like, you have, to, you have to plan it to where it makes sense. Like, if I'm wrestling somebody my size, then that makes sense. But, example, I punch somebody in the face that's 130 pounds, they better not get up. Right. But if I punch somebody that's 300 pounds in the face, I'm 300 pounds logical he could probably take that punch but you have but i i, I watch guys that i have a I, i'm watching a guy one that's about 130 140 150 around that age versus a guy that's 300 pounds and they're trading forearms 
Yeah. And, and I'm, I'm thinking to myself, I go, how is that possible? Yeah. Guys need to think about that when they're doing it. Why is that? How is that humanly possible? Are your forearms that weak or is his that strong? Yeah. Like, and if his are that strong, he's chosen the wrong craft. Like, <laughs> right. Like, like, or if yours are that weak, you really chose the wrong craft. I'm like, <laughs> yeah. you, you got some soft elbows, bro. Yeah. Like, th- that's what I don't understand because those those are what I'm talking about where they're not finding their unique brand. Yeah. And they're trying to copy something they saw or a spot they saw that looked cool to them that Dave Meltzer said was a five-star match. So they're trying to recreate that five-star match, not understanding that the emotion played the huge part in the five-star match. So now they're trying to recreate something that are just moves. So it's empty. There's no soul behind it. Yeah. And when there's no soul behind your wrestling, that's what makes the match suck. Yeah. You don't, if you don't believe what you're doing, then how is everybody else watching? Yeah. And that's one thing that I've learned in the nine years. You know, I was lucky to be trained by the Dudley boys that gave me great psychology and a lot of tough love, you know, like they, they, you know, you have to earn it. You have to earn your respect. You have to pay your dues. And a lot of guys want to skip that step. I always say work, work a match like a photo, your big moves. Give it a second. Let people digest it. Don't go into the next crazy move set because people don't think that fast yeah they don't like give it moments like if you ever watch a Shawn michaels match half of it's him laying on the mat <laughs> right right yeah you know, but, but like watch a ray mysterio match half of it is him selling yeah they gotta but, breathe but, like, exactly like and then he does one cool move and you're like oh but you remember all his cool moves why because you, you got the time to digest the cool moves. There's so many matches I see that I can't even digest how many cool moves just happened. Yeah. And and I'm like, you know, it, that's what I like what they've done with the 205 Live. They've slowed down the cool moves. Mm-hmm. In the beginning, they were, the, the, the reason why it was, wasn't working as well as it should have. One, I don't think it should have been in the, the arena that it is. Uh, especially with high flyers. Limit settings work for uh, the, that kind of talent, right? Because you get to see up close how hard that shit is to do. Yeah, like that's really hard to do. Like I don't, I don't think people under they make it look easy, but it's really difficult to do their moveset. Oh my god, yeah. Well, I think you're right about the big setting. I think you lose it some of its luster when it's taking place in this cavernous sports arena. Exactly, because you're like, oh, it. it the cavernous sports arena works well for a guy like me because right. my move set is slow, methodical, and I can throw you across the ring when everything's moving really quick and you're in the higher rows. It's very hard to see. <laughs> like, yeah. So, and, and they look, and from higher up, they look smaller than they are. Uh huh. So it's like, yeah, that was a cool move, but also, I didn't really see half of it, you know? So I, I think they did a real good job. I think, I think Buddy Murray is amazingly talented. I know. I uh, agree. I, I'm like, how are they hiding him in NXT? Like, 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 like I, I granted he was attacking there, but I'm like that he didn't do any of that. I'm like, was, was, was it, 
where is he not training like that? Like, where, where is he just like, oh, yeah, I could do this. Like, I know. It is like, I mean, obviously the depth of talent in WWE is, is a great problem to have, but sometimes I do worry that it is a problem where somebody like him just gets, like, lost in the shuffle a little bit. And he's he's been able to shine now here lately a little bit, which is great. But, you know, obviously it's it's a tired and true thing but so many people get the call up from nxt to the main roster and kind of just you know evaporate away you know the the wealth of talent is great but it it is interesting to see what happens when guys take that next step oh look look look, you know like you said wwe isn't for everybody you know look at juice yeah 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 juice juice in nxt they weren't doing anything well with him goes to new japan Shows you that how good of a wrestler he is. You know, Cody, Co- Cody, Cody Rose is the Daniel Day Lewis of pro wrestling. <laughs> that, that that man can play any role. He's so good. Like I, 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 I he's if not our generation's one of our, our greatest pro wrestlers. And when I say that, like I, he is good at. So good at the entertainment battle. Oh, it's so great. And Brandy's and, so and, good with them. The whole thing is just magic. And, and, and that's that's what makes it special. But he wasn't like, I like that he stepped away from WWE because now you see how special he is. Yeah. Like, I knew how special he was because literally he was making characters work every time. Uh-huh. Like, he, it's hard to make one character work. But when they give you multiple characters and you make them all work. Yeah. Like, he's a special like, talent. And he's also, I think, now sort of a beacon for a lot of guys, I think, to, to realize what can happen if you, if you step away. Like WWE isn't the end-all, be-all. You can go somewhere else and flourish and really, in a lot of ways, kind of just be cooler. You know, like what he and the Bucks and Kenny have going, it's just so cool you know it's kind of a, a boring way to describe it but it they just have this swagger to the them mo- that is so they're the, intriguing they're modern day nwa yeah exactly the, and, and now they're gonna be red and black and black and white yeah uh, all, it's it's so good that's what they are they're the cool kids of wrestling yeah it's you great know? um no i love it oh it's 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 awesome i love it so much um all right man well to wrap up here i wanted to ask you where do you how often do you think about your future, you know, and, and where you see yourself? Obviously, you have some personal stuff coming up this year, which is very exciting. But professionally, where do you see yourself, you know, let's say in the next three years? I hope to be a household name. That's where I want to be in three years. Um, this year, me and Odinson wanted, we're doing everything in our power to try to get to Japan. Not because that's, you know, what everybody should do, but I want to check it off my bucket list of wrestling. Yeah. Because I'm one of those big believers is like, I want to do everything before I get there. So I can say that uh, I've, I've earned my way here. Yep. Uh, you know, uh, and, and, and like, listen, I don't get jealous for people that get hired off the street. I, 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 I more power to them. But for me, I need to do these things because I need the information. I need to learn. Yeah. And I, I, I want to do it. Like I want to wrestle in Germany and England this year. You know, uh, I've got the connections with their company through evolve and stuff. Yep. A year ago, my, my vision was I'll do anything in my power to get to evolve. And I, and I got involved, 
you know, I'm very proud to say that me, Odinson, and Drennan worked our way from the bottom of our company all the way to Evolve. We're the only three to do that. Nobody's ever done that at Evolve. Nobody has started from the bottom of our company at ACW, which is our, our little show here in Florida. Yep. In, in a mall. Worked ourselves up to FIP, from FIP to Style Battle, from Style Battle to Evolve. You know, we're very proud that we did that. You know, we, you know, that it took a long time, but we're very proud to be three people that did that. That that's why I take pride in being part of Evolve, being part of the family. Yeah. You know, you know, and I'm happy to be part of MLW. I've I've got the opportunity to work with the Colonel. You know. Nothing for nothing, but Colonel's one of the greatest managers in wrestling. You know, he, he managed Stone Cold Steve Austin. He managed Harlem Heat. He managed Psycho Sid. You know, he got to manage some of the greats in WCW. You know, they all became Hall of Famers. So I, I, I get to learn from the Colonel and, and, you know, what wrestling's like, you know. Well, and it just uh, seems, it, it seems too, it's so evident that you have such a a knowledge and an appreciation and a respect for the business that I can only assume has served you so well and will, will continue to serve you well moving forward. I, I love pro wrestling. Pro wrestling saved my life. So, you know, if it wasn't for pro wrestling, you know, you know, people involved in it saved my life. You know, my best wrestling friend, the guy I came up with, you know, the day I, I tried to kill myself, ended up calling me and we ended up talking about wrestling and where and this actually this is the same question he's like because we were doing extra work for tna at the time we were doing aces and eights and we had just been let go um and we were bummed and that's not why i was killing myself I, my my whole thing i wasn't even caring about wrestling at that point i was just caring about you know people finding out i was gay and uh he asked me what are, what are we going to do for the future? Where are we going to go? You know, what is our, what's our next step? What do we have to do to get here? And that saved my life, you know? Wow. So it right now is like, you know, so I love wrestling. I love watching it. I love, I love crappy backyard wrestling. <laughs> I love, I love the, the WWE all the way up to the WWE I will watch anything I I'm a big believer of guys watching other guys work before they work them huh I always I always think it's respectful for me to know what you guys do and who you are you know and you know who I learned that from who Matt Riddle oh yeah there you go I mean, he, I, I, you know, obviously I don't know him personally, but he sort of reads to me sort of the same way, a guy who really studies and has respect for everything that's going on. Matt, Matt, Matt told me when I wrestled Matt for the first time, uh, one of my first, my first time at Evolve, I got to be in the main event with Riddle and John Davis and Timothy Thatcher and, um, Freddie Ahai and, uh, and Hot Sauce. Tracy Williams and Stokely Hathaway. And listen, I was out leagued. I know I was, you know, I was prepared and, and, and they treated me well. And it was actually a really good match. Um, and I, I talked to Matt afterwards and he goes, I watched your stuff. 
And I was like, wait, wait, you watch my stuff? He's like, <laughs> wow. He's like, well, I, I watched you and I couldn't figure out why you weren't farther along. And I figured it out. It's your confidence. He's like, you, you need to believe in yourself before you, you do this. He goes, confidence is all you need. He goes, after that, everything is just great, bro. <laughs> I was like, wow. Thanks, and he's right. It is confidence. It, it, you know, once you believe in yourself and you have the confidence to be you, there's nobody that's going to stop you uh, because you believe in yourself. And that's Matt believes in himself. And I said, well, why did you watch me? He goes, well, you're supposed to watch everybody that you wrestle. So you know what they do. He goes, isn't that the nice, respectful thing to do? And I was like, yes, Matt, it actually is. Oh, yeah, look at that. What a nice lesson. You know, and so yeah, those are two lessons that I learned from that. It was like, well, then that was the first time I ever met him. And oh, that's, that's great. what he said to me. And, and that, though, like, so when I say wrestling, you know, gives me a lot, it does. You know, I learn things. You know, a lot of people don't listen, but I, I take the time to listen. I take the lessons to learn. That's why I want to go to Japan. So I want that information. So that's when I say information, what I mean is, get those unique opportunities to hear other people's opinions, perceptions to make myself a better worker, a better entertainer and a better athlete. Because if I don't do that, I can't, you know, I can't represent the LGBT community at all because I'm not pushing myself to be great. I'm not, I'm not doing this journey alone anymore. I'm doing this journey with the, the LGBT community that was forgotten for so long in wrestling the one the the you know there's a lot of lgbt fans that feel like they did not have a voice or represented in pro wrestling for a very long time and we're now at an era where we actually have representation now it's up to us as the lgbt athlete to represent in a positive light but we also have to also do what it needs to be done to work harder to push ourselves to take opportunities because the opportunities aren't going to come for us. They're just not. We have to make those opportunities happen. For the first time in my life, I'm me. And I, I, you know, and I think that, but that's what people doesn't understand about LGBT athletes. Imagine if you just let them be them, how successful they could be instead of having to worry about being gay. Because when you're straight, you don't have to worry about being a straight athlete. That's not on your mind. So you can just focus on the sport. But when you're gay, you have to focus on people not finding out and you being alone and sad and not happy and depressed. You don't think that affects you on the field. You don't think that affects your team. It does. It affects players, you know. So people need to keep that in mind. It's like, you know, imagine if you just let the LGBT athlete be an athlete. Mm. And not have to be open, be out, and like because what people are like, why do you have this? Well, I don't understand why you have to tell us. Well, no, we're not telling you. We're telling ourselves, right? You know, you, you, that's what you don't understand. Like when I say about pride, it isn't pride of being gay. That was something we were born with. It's the pride of the fact that I'm proud to be. The, the person I'm meant to be now and not living by other people's opinion in fear of retribution. I'm, I'm proud that I'm able to say, this is my boyfriend. I'm holding his hand and I love him. 
that that's that's what pride means and uh so when people and athletes on teams are like oh i don't i don't i don't i don't do that or i i'm not you know i don't support uh, that well yeah. First of all, it's your teammate, and you should support it because they support a lot of stupid shit you do and, <laughs> and say. So, you know, the least you could do is just be supportive. They're not asking you to go to their wedding. They're not asking you to go to a gay club. They're not asking you to do anything. All they're is asking you is to be their friend. That's yeah. not hard. Yeah. I go, they're just asking you to be a decent human being. So that that those are the things that I've learned. So I... Thank you for having me on the podcast. Oh, my gosh. Thank you so much. I mean, I feel like we have probably a whole nother podcast worth of material to chat about. So we'll off to have you back for another conversation. Well, I would totally love to have, uh, have, have me back. Well, thank you so much. I mean, and, you know, we talked about Finn earlier, but, you know, as a wrestling fan and as a fan of yours, I mean, thank you for everything that you continue to do. And it's uh, it, it certainly doesn't go unnoticed and it's it's very important. So I, I appreciate you being out there doing what you're doing. It's it's very important. It's very cool. And uh, uh, I'm, I'm a fan. Well, thank you very much. And hopefully you. Hopefully I'll get out out in LA. Maybe I'll do a little PWG. Let's do it, man. I know we got to yeah. get you out here, and then the new yeah. new theater. It's a whole new deal out here. Yeah, I, I know. I, I know. I, I saw it. all my friends are on the show. I well, <laughs> hey, no, you're next. Thank you so much. I really appreciate your time. It was a great conversation, and uh, I look forward to seeing what's in store in the future. It's all good stuff, I'm sure. And uh, good luck with the wedding. Well, thank you very much. I'll, I'll keep you updated. Please do. All right. Thanks, man. I really appreciate it. No problem. Thank you very much. All right. Have a great one. You too. All right, guys. There it is. The culmination of the two-part interview with Mike Pero. I want to thank Mike for his time. Like I said, I probably could have talked to Mike for another two and a half hours, but... It had to end somewhere, unfortunately. If you were a non-wrestling fan and you made it all the way to the end, I hope you learned something. It was a fun conversation. Very much appreciate you listening. Hope to see you here next time for Same Team. I'm Daniel Trainer.